welcome to Just the Tech, the new tech podcast for everyone. Each episode of Just the Tech covers a single topic, giving you an in-depth look into a specific area of technology. My name is Austin Allen, and with me is my co-host, Jason Rosenfeld. Co-host. And our resident tech layman, Mr. Chris Madsen. Hey, guys. Jason and myself. Jason and myself. Jason and myself. Jason and myself know a decent amount about technology. Chris knows very little. Oh, I get it now. Today on Just the Tech, it's just the interface. Just the interface. Just the interface. So this is a little different from our past two episodes, but it's still a big topic, and we're going to still try to fit it into about 20 or 25 minutes. That means we're going to miss some stuff. If you want to add on... You can't because you're not here. Nope. Nope. But you can interface with us <laughs> oh <my laughs> um, on our website, www.justthe.tech. We also have Twitter, you know, Facebook, all that stuff. At Just the Tech, Just the Tech Podcast. You do your thing. All right. On to some rapid fire news. We here at Just the Tech actually decided that this topic doesn't really lend itself to rapid-fire news, but we still need a winner. So this week's winner is Jason. Congratulations. Thanks, guys. And with that, let's uh, just dive right into Just the Interface. Language is our most hard-earned and learned skill. We pour years into learning letters and words so we can express our deepest thoughts or curse out the guy who cuts us off. And since the modern age, we have been crafting our prose through keyboards. From hardware keyboards like typewriters, laptops, and Blackberries, to predictive keyboards like the T9-powered Motorola Razor, and software keyboards like we use on our phones today. The way we input text is constantly evolving and essential to our everyday lives. So my question is, what does the future of interface look like? Yeah, and just to add on to that, I think not only the way we input text, the way that we're just communicating with our computers yeah, is changing. Exactly. Text, voice, we'll get into thought, all, all that. So my opinion on voice input, at least, is that I've been using it more and more, as it does proliferate, like you're talking about. My Xbox, for example, takes all sorts of voice commands, and I use it all the time. That being said, I feel a little uncomfortable using it when other people are around, you don't see people on the train uh, talking to Siri. Maybe in a small setting you'll see it, but most of the time I think people use voice input when they're alone. It's not normal yet or something? We haven't adapted to it? Right, and I don't know if we ever will. Like, I don't know if we'll have a situation, like in the movie Her, where all these people are walking around with a little uh, earbud, <sighs> and I don't know if people will just be basically talking to themselves walking down the street. We already had that a few years ago with the big boom of Bluetooth headsets with, you know, all those people that would have them. And like, it's the same thing as walking around yeah. the street talking on the phone, but they would be talking into a tiny Bluetooth headset. So at first you were thinking, this guy looked crazy, but then after a period of time, you realize, like, it's just that asshole with the Bluetooth headset. Right. I like think they're yeah. If, if everyone does it, isn't it kind of normal? Will people even blink an eye at some point? It's possible. Yeah, I think there's a slight difference, although I still need to think this through. In that, when you're on a Bluetooth phone, you're having a conversation with somebody else, and 
although I could see how that should be private as well. So that's where there's the caveat. But when you're talking to a personal assistant, you're not really talking to anybody else. You're planning a personal whatever it is you're planning. And that's the distinction. But if the uh, personal assistants get good enough, won't it kind of be like interfacing with another person? Right. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. I'm just trying to point out some possible caveats of why it wouldn't proliferate. Sure. It, that, that it makes could. sense. Yeah. I mean, if if <laughs> you're not really talking to anybody, why don't you just do it privately on your phone or whatever? It right. Doesn't, but I get what Chris is saying, too, is even the voice assistants we have now can aren't just limited to one interaction so you can have multiple interactions that just kind of string together like a conversation and so if we're already there in that sense i feel like you know in five years ten years we they could be a lot smarter where you could just say things i know for example the uh, motorola's moto x line has always had a very um good moto voice um software so you can say okay google or okay whatever you want It just wow, that is awesome. <laughs> oh, it's in my pocket, actually. It just set up Jason's phone. That's <laughs> great. So it does stuff like that. Um, and Google's built that into a lot of their devices. They took it from, <laughs> took it from Motorola. Um, and I was reading an article about a guy who was reviewing this Bluetooth headset that Motorola makes. When he has the, the Bluetooth headset and he can say that command even when his phone's across the room or whatever, and he can do text people, he can check his appointments, he can do all these things just from in his ear without having the phone to spew out is this okay? Is this what you mean? It, yep. It's more like you're having a conversation with yourself because people can't hear the other side of that conversation. And there are some really exciting things coming from that space. And you're right, five to 10 years, it's going to be completely different. There's um, a company, a small, still startup called Vive, V-I-V. And they're working on basically merging nat- natural language processing and machine learning uh, to really create like an AI we've never seen before. So you can say, not only is it contextually aware, but it saves your information and it's personalized for you. You can say something like, I'd like to book a flight to Norway on March 3rd and return this day. You can say where you'd like to stay all in, you know, one long stream. Not only that, it learns as more and more people use it. So it becomes smarter, it learns new tricks, and their goal is to basically keep it standalone so all these different other companies that provide the services can use Vive and use the API to integrate their services all into just one voice input. The only problem I have, did you want to say anything again? No, I was just thinking how poorly I worded all of that. (laughs) The problem I see with voice input as the future of interface is that we have a lot of different companies having their own digital assistants that are exclusive, not not exclusive, series exclusive to Apple and Google now works best on an Android phone. Um, But you can set Cortana as the default digital assistant on your Android phone now. Uh, But I see these maybe becoming part of the walled gardens that are part of everybody's all these companies, but that's where services kind of. Well, yeah, you're saying Vive, but like, what if Samsung acquires Vive, just like it acquired um, that MS MTSI technology for mobile payments? That's fair. You know, well, I guess because Vive's whole strategy is that it wants to be standalone. It doesn't want to be tied down to one manufacturer or. or so even or if it's company. standalone, what if 
a company has a competing voice recognition software and is like, well, I won't integrate the things that I own with that. And at that point in time, we don't know what Apple or Google mm -hmm. or Microsoft or Facebook is going to own. And maybe they own, you know, or maybe maybe TripAdvisor comes out with its own voice assistant. So you can't book flights through TripAdvisor, but you can book, you know, that's what I'm worried about with voice assistant is that it's since it's so software oriented that it's almost a service. It's not a way of interfacing. That's that's the only problems I yeah, see with it. And that's, that's a good point. Yeah. Besides thinking and typing, it's one of the most exciting ones. So I do use Siri a reasonable amount right now, but I feel like it ends up being like set a timer and set my alarm. Um, which because is that's like, what it's best at, quite yeah, frankly. Yeah, exactly. It's the kind of rote, mundane stuff. Um, I do feel like when I try and ask for some more complicated things, sometimes the speech recognition isn't as good. Now, that may be my fault that I'm not enunciating or I'm slurring Chris, or something. Yeah, it's, um, not it's not your fault, Chris. It's not well, your fault. Well, thanks, guys. Um, but it, it can be kind of frustrating asking it to really, you know, try and perform to its potential and have it just lay an egg. It's still, um, well, I'd say it's somewhat nascent. I think natural language processing really got its roots like in the early 70s with, yeah. with those hidden uh, Markov chains that we like. And we do like those. So it, it, it has obviously progressed since then and I think they say it gets 20% better every year. Not, you know, 0, 20, 40, but 20% yeah. better from where it was. Um, and some Microsoft researcher is now pegging in five years, computers will be just as good as people at understanding. So maybe that's aggressive, five years. Add another five years for conservatism. That sounds nice. Yeah, it sounds like that'll be really good. Yeah. So do you guys know what the big differences are between, say, Siri and Cortana and Google Now? Yeah, for the most part, they're the same. They do those simple tasks. Each one has an advantage over the other. Obviously, they likewise have disadvantages compared to each other. Um, Cortana, sound, even though it's the newest and it's the youngest, it sounds the best, is from, from what I've heard. Mm -hmm. it, it, it sounds the most natural. Yep. Um, and the name comes out of from Halo. I think it's the exact same voice actress, which is kind of cool yeah, if you've yeah, ever played actually, Halo to talk to. Yeah. It's it's I really cool. Um, and I and then Siri was the first. Um, and I think it, Siri yeah. has the best responses. <laughs> yes, I, I mean, comical or not, right? It, it's just more. It's a more human response. And then I think where Google has it down is in the actual recognition. In we're, the, yeah, we're it doesn't of, yeah. mess up what I'm saying. Yeah, like you can you can say a sentence or two when you're trying to actually speak out stuff, and for the most part, it gets it right. Where I've, from what I've read and heard, that Siri gets it, le you know, right less, and Cortana, I don't even know because it's so new. Right. Like that kind of fits a general thesis we've been talking about, where Google is good at you know giving you the information or the options if you're like kind of a technical user, whereas Apple is has the more polished products even if it's not going to let you do all of the things that someone might want to do except for the fact that Siri isn't very great at voice recognition 
or maybe processing. It, it I think that has the worst hit rate of picking up what you're actually saying. But besides that, I I think you're right. The responses are so much better, it seems. And it's gotten Twitter. a lot better recently with, with the new iOS updates here. You got substantially better from before because it was kind of a pain point for users i remember before mm-hmm. that used siri they're like this is stupid it doesn't work the only thing they would do is like where can i hide a dead body that's what i feel like i heard most people talking to siri about yeah and there were some easter eggs too i, I can't remember any of them right now but there were some good ones right. like dividing by zero or something yeah or if you ask it you know tell me a joke or just funny things ah. or relatively funny all right. Well, that seems to uh, about wrap up voice inputs. Let's uh, let's move on to keyboards. Yeah, okay. I think something that's a little bit more close to home, uh, that's a little bit more close to the present, but I still think it'd be the future is software keyboards. Um, so, admittedly, I have like very little experience with software keyboards. Jesus, software <laughs> keyboards, software keyboards. <laughs> software keyboards um so i have very little experience with software keyboards um basically i just use the like very default one on my iphone can you guys give me a little you know idea what else is out there why you'd be interested in using something else yeah um i mean for in in the present we have a lot of i think the most popular ones would be swift key which can read through your text and your in e- your email history, which is crazy, but it helps to predict what you're going to say, and it's very accurate. You can just type the predictions to type out whole sentences without even laying a finger on the keys, or maybe just one key, which is scary but awesome. There's other ones that try to minimize the screen real estate. One's called Minum Min Minuum, and it basically is just a strip. The whole QWERTY keyboard is splashed down into one one line, but it's very it's pretty accurate. Um, there's others like Flexi where it's all about really not really having to look at your keyboard. Again, these are all just riffs on the same idea of a QWERTY keyboard. Um, and they all have varying degrees of uh, predictive qualities. And I think what's interesting about them is not necessarily what they can do now, because that's not very interesting. Um, but what is interesting to me is how that software will be used in the future. Because on phones, it makes sense because it's a small, a small screen real estate. But maybe we'll be using software keyboards on our primary computing device using software keyboards might be the future instead of a hardware keyboard. And also maybe implementing that technology so you can type from your smartwatch. It produces a uh, an IR keyboard onto your arm, which you can then swipe across. And maybe that would be a quicker way of responding than pulling out your phone from your pocket. I think those are the exciting things that you can see with software keyboards. I think in the case of projecting a keyboard onto your arm to respond from a smartwatch or something definitely makes sense, but I don't see... I think there are serious disadvantages to software keyboards compared to hardware keyboards, if we want to call them that. Having the tactile feel of a hardware keyboard allows you to type so much faster, in my opinion at least. Maybe if we raise a generation on only software keyboards, they become just as fast as uh, we are on hardware keyboards, so maybe I shouldn't be so definitive, but I would you want a laptop with a software keyboard on it? No. Right. No, but but Jason, this is the digital revolution we're talking about. This I, is an analog thing that can be moved to digital. Don't you like that in like basically every case? I do. So 
the answer there is that you create a software keyboard that can replicate the tactile feel. When I say software keyboard, I basically mean on a touchscreen, on a capacitive yeah. sensor. Mm -hmm. You can add elements to that, like the electromagnetic field, that would simulate the feeling of your fingers on keys. So you, you would think you're touching it, even though you're slightly hovering above the touchscreen. And that completely changes how quickly you can type. Instead of, you know, people who type on their tablets, on their iPads, they hover their hands over and they tap, tap, tap. That's not that quick. No, sure. It, the only reason that maybe they could even be quick at it is because they grew up with a hardware keyboard and know where their fingers generally should go. And even those people, it's slower than typing in a well, hardware well, keyboard. Well, yeah, but that's where I question if someone grew up on only a touchscreen keyboard, if they could be just as quick as somebody who started on a hardware keyboard and then moved to you know, tablet typing. It's th not nature, it's nurture, possibly. Maybe. So I think going back to just the PC, one of the reasons why I use a computer is for Microsoft Office, kind of, that I want word processing and PowerPoint and the ability to make spreadsheets and stuff like that. And it seems to me like it'd be a lot harder, at least for me personally, to use a digital keyboard to be, you know, cranking out numbers on an Excel spreadsheet. Right. Um, so at least for a while, I think I'm going to be hesitant towards that adaptation. Um, but I, I guess it, it could be possible, you know. Who knows what the world looks like in 10 years. Yeah. When it comes down to it, I think the goal of any input is probably speed. Ease of use. Speed and ease of use. Yeah. The combination of the two. It's like getting the best value. So on our, on our laptops, we don't want software keyboards. But in the mobile space we've it, it's been kind of unanimous that we've almost we've gone exclusively to software keyboards um that's something that you know all phones started out pretty much with I think hardware that's a form factor issue but it, but it's not i mean i have right here a blackberry that has literally the same screen real estate as any major phone and that might be huge it, if they've really done it well but the, the question is is there still a market for something like this i, I think mean, so i mean i, I think I it's think... actually selling really well I'm not, no, really. Okay, I, I didn't know if I didn't know if that was sarcastic no, no, no. or not. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, I mean, I, it could be, and I I know that BlackBerry in the past hasn't sold. They only sold like, what was it? it was something so small with the amount of um, classic and passport devices they sold. But I guess on a form factor like this that has an, a popular operating system, it could be. But I I think people humans are really good at adapting and I think we've all adapted to a software keyboard pretty well and I found myself typing slower on something like this than I would a software keyboard because I've just adapted and there's no reason to relearn something. I think there are a ton of people who still do want a physical keyboard on their phone. You may not think so. I don't think so. I don't know, Chris, do you, you're fine with like a software keyboard? Yeah, it doesn't really bother me. Yeah, so I don't know if that's us having adapted quicker than other people who want to switch back or not I, I, I don't know what it is but <laughs> obviously people that never left right obviously there are people though who want to switch back to a hardware keyboard I'm wondering let's say if for whatever reason computers did start using touchscreen keyboards if we used that for five years would we then think oh okay good enough I, I don't know I, I, I feel like the answer is yes if j just with how we've seen it on here. 
how people are just it, they when when Apple released a smartphone, the first smartphone was just an on-screen keyboard. People at first were like, "That's that's hilarious." I mean, even the the initial Android before the first uh, Android D Mobile G1 came out, it was it looked like a BlackBerry almost. It, it was very, it had a whole, full keyboard on it, and then they were like, "Oh no, let's let's make that keyboard secondary behind the display," uh, because they saw the they saw the iPhone and thought, "Shit." But you know something that we picked up as kids and we're learned since day one is how to write and that for us was you know you you did that because it was speedy and easy writing something on a piece of paper is sometimes a lot quicker than opening your computer opening the note app and writing down a note if you just have a piece of paper and a pen you can do that um, but it seems kind of interesting to think that maybe handwriting is the future of input maybe that's where the future of input is going i think handwriting has the advantage in ease of use, but I think it has the worst in speed. I, I think you're right. I mean, just if you can imagine that there are people out there that type, I don't know, 200 words a minute or something, that may not even be that aggressive an assumption. Um, there are very few people mm -hmm. I know who can write 200 words a minute. Um, right. And if they can, it's slop. Yeah, exactly. The, it's shorthand. So it's it's back to that kind of combination of speed and ease of use. Handwriting might be somewhere in the middle there. I don't know if we average speed and ease of use. If we take you're trying to hmm. try to weigh the variables here, right? Yeah. How how do you get that best value for an input? I mean, it, you know, we we talked about before maybe you know the the form factor of a laptop with a software keyboard seems dumb, but what if the top part of your device is a screen, the bottom part's a screen where you handwrite on it instead of using a software keyboard. Is that something that maybe, I mean, that was something that was thought of a while ago when Microsoft ditched the Courier that was a device that had two screens on it and a, and a pen input. And right. people went nuts over that concept. They, they loved the idea. They, being basically able to, a yeah. foldable tablet. Yeah, basically. It's like the, uh, what was that? that stupid, stupid Sony tablet. It was like a, it was like a yeah. cylinder, mm -hmm. the P. It was, it had one letter. Yeah, it was. It like came out with two at the Xperia same time. Xperia P. P. Maybe. Think of like a, a cylinder, like a cylinder. Like it's a like cylinder. a real phallic joke in yep. here somewhere. And you literally open it in half, and they, it's like a sliced it's like cylinder. A, a clamshell kind of. Yeah, except for it was, it was, it was terrible. Except it, it tried to be a computer, I guess. It was, it was an Android tablet, and it was bad. Yeah. So I guess what we've actually kind of distilled this down to is that whole speed and ease of use concept and thinking about it for a second voice input yeah i i think voice input at least intuitively to me seems like the you know the input that will win out in the long term right i think something we probably don't really want to touch on but we can mention is the real winner which is brain computer interface oh yeah not voice input thought input you only need to think what you want as your input you you wear this like little hat that has a tiny fmri thing going in it maybe who knows right. how uh how it'll be done we all wear skull caps in the future or it's just bio augmented like right. straight in nanobots that communicate with each other that are communicating with your neurons who, who knows that gets kind of scary at some point. Someone hacking your body. Yeah. Um, Google selling ads straight to your eyes. It, it's scary. 
I feel like I'm on like a Fox News technology <laughs> panel now, just because we're all getting really scared about the future. <laughs> but it's scary in a good way. Yeah. I, so I think that is like in, in the far future, that is what input, you know, interfacing with your device will be. In the, in the near term, I think it's kind of a combination of everything we've talked about um, for mobile devices, you know, and I think that's where, uh, you know, something like a Samsung Note wins out. You have pretty much every, you have all three of the major ones. You got a software keyboard, you got a pen, you got voice input. And so you pretty much get anything you want at any time. I think but that's... But you don't have that tactile input. The exactly, and that's and, and and that's what you don't have. And I think maybe on a phone, that's not as an you know maybe it's not as important. Maybe it is, and maybe maybe those maybe we'll see a note in the future that takes after the priv, so it has all four. Maybe you know, yeah. there's one, let's say compromise product to the thing I was talking about before with the software keyboard combined with that tactile sense, which is a product for the iPad. I wish I knew its name so I could say it. I don't know it though what it does though is i'll just lay over my voice saying (laughs) (laughs) after post in the edit that would be great so you put a case around your ipad and the back of the case is basically a reservoir of gel and then the front has little pathways that you can't see but they're there and then you push a button and it pushes the gel onto the front of the iPad and the gel raises where each key is and that's why it's those pathways sweet. are there so right but it maybe won't have the same tactile it feel because it's it gel. probably won't be the same yeah but you can at least touch the keys and still have that feeling of pushing down on something knowing where you are yeah it's nice what we normally do as the conclusion was kind of the whole episode hopefully everybody liked that so then I guess to summarize, we need to come up with something new. All right. What do but you think? I, but I think the overarching theme that we've touched on is we've touched on it, but we haven't really gone into it. It was prediction and personalization. Yeah, that's pretty good. So I, um, I where do you think there's the most like immediate growth opportunities for prediction and personalization then, Jason? I think... Well, machine learning's seen some huge leaps in the last three to five years, and that's only obviously going to accelerate, given our overarching thesis. Current rate of innovation. Right, with the digital revolution. So where do I see it, what, accelerating? In which area? In in the near future, where's the next big thing? Where's the next big step? I still think it's that voice input and artificial intelligence and open sourcing that in a way where you have the entire world talking to one program. The rate at which it will learn is going to be astonishing and it's going to get so much better and it's going to learn how to cater to each user's own specific needs by knowing about other people that are different from you. And that's exciting. What about you, Austin? Do you have any big ideas here? Well, I, I kind of want to go the opposite way, because um, I, I think we kind of already touched on, like Jason said, a lot of you know predictions and future-looking things we had. Here are things that I don't think will be the future of the interfacing. Foot pedals? Uh, foot pedals. <laughs> 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 the website says that you can uh, map them to keys on your computer, like control, 
or shift so you can easily access you know you can easily copy and paste things because you know keyboard shortcuts aren't quick enough foot pedals step on it <laughs> keyboard control pedals game changer I'm gonna include a link in the uh, didn't didn't because um, we don't, are not gonna have time to mention these but it's a list of 13 keyboards that definitely are not the future of uh, interfacing you can take a look at them uh, in your own free time but they're pretty terrible I hope the future is not like this there is a ring that you can that they're testing at Fujitsu where you can uh, put it on your finger obviously and you can draw letters onto a screen that right there fails the ease of use and speed test yeah, but it's something so that companies are developing through over multiple years still. I just I found a first article about it in like 2011 or 12, and then I found a follow-up from the same company in 2015. So they're still developing but it. But the application the won't worst. be handwriting. It'll just be gestures. Hopefully it's gestures. Of I just it think that's going to be the worst. Because speed of use. Wow. We're, uh, Speeds of use. Speed of use. I guess it all. Speed of use. Ease of speed. We're assuming people are smart here, right? I mean, there are definitely some tech startups that kind of really burn out because they just don't quite hit the mark, right? Right. And if these tech companies... No, but... So that's the thing. The functionality that they're building works for gestures and handwriting. It doesn't matter if they're testing it for handwriting. When people start using it, they're not going to use it for handwriting. Yeah, but I don't want to wear a ring specifically just for interfacing with stuff. What if it's an invisible-looking ring? An invisible ring? In I that case, in I might just have an invisible keyboard with me all the time. Invisible? Well, I mean, are we in the shot in front of Shire, by any chance? What's Sorry. that? <laughs> What'd you say? Are we in the Shire with invisible rings? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, let's be a, say be a nerd here real quick. It's basically a hidden ring. Is it? Is it safe? Is it secret? <laughs> does, it, yes. does it turn you evil? <laughs> Do you have to throw it in molten lava at some point in use when you're done with it? Cast it to where it was born. And on that note... It's been real, guys. Hopefully you turn in next time. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Just the Tech. We don't include everything, and we definitely miss some things. So be sure to check out our Didn't Didn't Companion post for this episode and on our website at www.justthe.tech. Continue the conversation with us on Twitter at Just the Tech or on our Facebook page. You can find it. Bye. Kind of pretty good at saying that. All right.